1990, Weird Al Yankovic sat in a hotel bar and scribbled lyrics on a cocktail napkin. The word is out, better treat me right, cause I'm the king of cellulite. He stuck that napkin into the skirt of a haggard, 40-year waitress with sagging eyes and worse-off thighs. The waitress didn't feel his hand, the waitresses never did, but she did hear Al chuckling to himself as he walked out the door and into the rain. From there, Al went to his garden and held his seed in his hands. Al always had a lot of seed. He carried it in his pants everywhere he went. Every time he passed a bank or a McDonald's or a church with a potted plant or a corporate garden in front of it, Weird Al would pull the seed out of his pants and plant it into the soil of the pot or the corporate garden. And a few weeks later, a carrot or a potato or a waxy turnip would grow amongst the manicured flowers. And Al would chuckle and call that his little revolution. But when Al sat in his own garden, he would hold his seed in his hand for hours at a time before sowing it into the earth. And during that time, Al would listen to the song in his heart. And when the seed grew, it would yield a black rose. When the rose reached full bloom, then and only then, Al would pick up his accordion, walk into the studio, and sing his little songs aloud. In the year 1990, Michael Jackson had white skin, and Al Yankovic presented him with a black rose. A letter was pinned to the rose's thorns. It read, I'm fat. Michael Jackson planted the rose in his own garden at Neverland Ranch. He once strolled past it on a long walk with child actor Henry Thomas, and Michael told Henry that its long, dark petals reminded him of his eyelashes. Michael loved Weird Al's song, but he preferred his rose. In 1990, Kurt Cobain received a black rose with a letter pinned to its thorns. The letter said, it smells like Nirvana, and indeed the rose did. It's said that Cobain took the rose and the song it referred to in good humor. It's a matter of public record that Kurt said he wanted to make $3 million by the time he was 27, then become a full-time junkie and die. And after he did, his black rose was willed to Chris Novelsek who gave it away after only one night. Chris claimed that the rose conjured bad memories. He tried to pass the rose to David Grohl, but David forbid delivery. He claimed that the rose conjured bad memories. It is now displayed but rarely observed in Courtney Love's Malibu home. She's been sober since the rose arrived. Its thorns were the last thing to prick her skin. In 2005, Chameleonaire was given a black rose for the song White and Nerdy. He mistook the gesture as an act of war and has been in hiding ever since. The same year, James Blunt received a rose for the song You're Pitiful. It is the only black thing which James Blunt has ever owned. He keeps the rose in a glass case and has not aged a day since it arrived. Al believes this to be a matter of coincidence, but still calls James once every night, threatening to take the rose back. Al hasn't made a phone call to anyone else in years, least of all his parents who did not care for music. Mama and Papa Yankovic only owned one record, 
It was John Denver's greatest hits, and to this day, it sits in cellophane, unopened and almost completely untouched, but for the fortuitous day when Al discovered it. Al studied the cover art which displays John Denver pressing a straw hat to his head and smiling like the sweet little fellow that he is. Al flipped the record over, glanced at the track list, and misread the title, Take Me Home, Country Roads, as Take My Whole, Chunky Load. Al planted a black rose for John Denver, but was never able to give it to him. It took Al until 1997 to work up the courage to present the rose to John, and that same year, the Leaving on a Jet Plane singer died after crashing his own homemade airplane. Al has only spoken about the tragedy once. It was in 2011 during a phone call with James Blunt. Crying, Al said, he started a revolution, and he'll never know. Blunt had no idea who Al was referring to, but wept along with him. James Blunt loved to weep. Also in 2011, Al drew two roses from his garden, intending to present them to Lady Gaga. But when he arrived at the starlet's Malibu mansion, Gaga was gone gone. Instead, Al was greeted by the performance artist, Marina Abramovich. She was sitting in Gaga's garden and drinking from a mug which didn't have coffee in it. Abramovich told Yankovich that Gaga was miles away, running naked through a nearby forest. Okay, replied Yankovich. Does she need help? And then Abramovich responded with a grin. Oh yes, far more than you can give. And with this, Abramovich pressed her coffee cup to her lips, and she did not look like a sweet little fellow. You are bleeding, said Abramovich, and indeed Yankovich was bleeding from both his hands. Al had been clutching his black roses since their conversation began. He raised the rose in his right hand and said, Perform this way. He raised the left, Poke a face and blood dripped from both hands onto Al's face. Abramovich was visibly excited. She offered to give give Gaga the roses for him, but Yankovich declined. She told Yankovich that he could give them to Gaga himself next week at a dinner which they were throwing in honor of the Clinton crime family. Yankovich declined, saying, I'll keep the roses. Gaga's got her hands hands full already. And Weird Al flew home in his Weird Al plane, and Al sat in his garden holding his seed, but he could not plant it, for there was no song in his heart, only the voice of Abramovich, which was somehow stranger in his memory than it had been in life. He pictured her eyes, and when he looked back down at the seed in his hands, it had turned to ash. Al's phone rang, James Blunt was hysterical on the other end. Blunt cried like a child, but his voice rasped with great age. He said one word over and over. Thief. 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 Blunt's black rose was gone, and he assumed Weird Al was responsible. Who wouldn't? Yankovic tried to explain, but before he could get a word out edgewise... Blunt's aged body withered into oblivion, and he died on the line. Perhaps in a sense, Al was responsible, 
In denying Gaga her rose rose, Al had violated the cosmic covenant of the black rose with no thought as to the consequences. He'd never given his roses much thought at all. He grew them, but he did not know why or how they grew. In that regard, Al was not unlike a rose himself. A rose does not consider the sun whose magnificent light gives it life. It simply grows and dies at its appointed time and does not consider whether this state of affairs is miraculous or tragic or any other thing at all. In this regard, Al was quite unlike a rose, for as Al ran frantically from his church to his McDonald's and to the bank and discovered that the appointed time had come for every one of his carrots and waxy turnips and that every other thing which he'd planted from his seed had died and shattered to dust, Al wept, for he knew that with them his little revolution had died, and it was a tragedy. Al went home to hang himself, but discovered once there that two of his black roses were still in bloom. They were the two roses meant for Gaga, and they had been sustained stained by the nurturing fluid of Al's blood. Their petals were darker than ever. Al swaddled them in his arms and carried them into his weird Al plane and set his course for Gaga. The venue for Abramovich's benefit dinner was her New York apartment, and Al felt her stare before he walked through her door. Abramovich's decor was repugnant. Abramovich was standing in front of a gored human carcass, which was apparently fake and filled with SpaghettiOs. Abramovich had her arm around Bill Clinton, and he had his arm around Lady Gaga. Abramovich had scribbled words on the walls in chicken scratch and in chicken's blood, or so she would later claim. They offered a series of bizarre instructions. Spit in your ass till the world feels the rain. Grab a pig's titty and feel your own heartbeat. Celebrities of politics and the arts crowded around these cryptic messages, hoping to ascertain secrets pursuant to success in their chosen fields. A woman walked the floor passing out non-disclosure agreements. She was Madonna, and when she recognized Al, she slapped his face. My rose died, screamed Madonna, who had received a black rose in the year 1986 for the song Like a Surgeon. Al clutched his cheek and muttered, I'm working on it, as he pushed past the pop star and pressed on towards his purpose. He made it only a few steps before colliding with another party-goer. Sorry, I didn't see you there, said Stevie Wonder. That's fine, said Al, throwing his voice so as not to be recognized by Stevie, who was still angry with Yankovich for only offering him half a rose for his contributions to the song Amish Paradise. Luckily, Chuck Schumer appeared and led Stevie away towards a nearby punch bowl made to look like the pregnant stomach of the Virgin Mary. It's a big statue of the Virgin Mary, and she's holding her pregnant belly out, and that's where you reach in to get the punch. So that's what that image is. Yo, weird, a voice shouted from across the room. What's good, Al replied to his old friend MC Hammer. Some people been looking for yo ass, weird. They been looking all night. I know, Ham, said Al. I been looking for them, too. Nah, replied Ham. The people who been looking for you 
ain't nobody you want to find. Why's that? Al asked, and Pam spoke low so as not to be heard. When these people find you, they act like they're your friends. They say they want to help you, and they do. At first they do. But for everything they give, they take something away. Until they take everything from you, like they did to me. My money, anything worth money, and some things money can't buy. Like the black rose I received in 1992 for your irreverent song, Can't Watch This. Hammer pointed to Ambravich's wall where a black rose hung so dark it was purple, fed no doubt by the blood on the wall in which Ambramovich had written, Cut off your little toe and use it to fuck Jesus. Jesus, said Al as he continued on towards Ambramovich and Gaga. This, said Hammer, I really can't watch. Finally, Al approached Gaga. She and Bill Clinton were mouth-deep in the groin of a disemboweled mannequin, which was filled with clam chowder that looked like person ejaculate. So Ambramovich spoke for them. Do you know that feeling when a person you've been thinking about all day suddenly walks into the room, said Ambramovich? I guess, replied Yankovich. That is the feeling I'm feeling right now. It feels like when you stare at the side of a person's head, and somehow they know to look up. You invited me here, replied Al. And is that why you came? She smirked. Al set his eyes on Gaga. Poke a face, he said, raising the rose in his right hand. Perform this way, he said, raising his left. Oh my god, said Gaga. Black roses! They are so beautiful! Al smiled. You have earned them, he said. But no sooner did the roses enter Gaga's hands than she thrust them down into Abramovich's grievous soup. I bet they're delicious, she said as her pupils dilated. Yankovich watched as Gaga and Clinton greedily drank the soup, and Abramovich laughed with a wolfish howl. Yankovich looked around the room at the intelligentsia of the nation. He saw lawmakers next to bards, next to actors, next to thieves, though the latter class of person doesn't exclude each of the former. Musicians, politicians, all of them thieves. And there stood Al, with his foot firmly in both camps. Al considered this. He was a singer and the greatest thief of them all, one who'd built a career from turning the work of other artists into his own, replacing their most poetic insights with puns about lasagna. And Al was proud. If my true art is to steal, he thought, then I must sing the song in my heart. So Al reached into the soup and stole back his black roses. I'm taking these, he said. But they're mine, replied Gaga. And Al smiled like the sweet little fellow he wasn't. What did you say? I said, said Gaga, but they're mine. Did you say, but hair wine? Huh? replied Gaga, confused-fused. 
Did you say, Nut Airline? Al grinned as he walked away. An airline for nuts? And maybe it works as a double entendre for both semen and the hard-shelled fruit? Abramovich screamed at Bill Clinton, Stop him! But Bill was doubled over laughing. But hair one, Bill chuckled. But hair one. And Bramovich shouted after Yankovich, You think you've won? Your little revolution is over. And on his way out the door, Al dropped his seed into one of the prized Venus flytraps that Abramovich probably has, and smiled. My little revolution has just begun. Weird Al was climbing into the cockpit of his Weird Al plane when an ancient hand gripped his shoulder. Hello, Weird Al, said Hillary Clinton, her voice genial if somewhat rehearsed. I've been so busy with my party, I almost missed you. I know, said Al. My husband is a huge fan. And Al replied, I know, we've spoken. Hillary fluttered her eyes, and there was menace to her smile, which betrayed an eagerness to share a secret which would leave Al frowning. Before you go, she cooed, there's someone I'd like you to meet. Hillary pointed directly at Al, and it took him a moment to realize that there was a man behind him who'd taken a seat in the cockpit of Al's weird Al plane. Al blinked his eyes several times, because the man was John Denver, so Al figured he must be dreaming. The name's John, said John Denver, reaching out to shake Al's hand. John Denver, it's sure sweet to meet you. John Denver's hand had a thin black scar down the center. There was a similar scar around John's neck, and it was the only evidence of the plane crash which had left him decapitated. I know who you are, replied Yankovich. I'm a fan. John blushed and pressed a straw hat against his head. Well, I'm sure glad to hear it, he said. And me, I'm a fan of them pretty roses you got. Say, what color are those? Black. Black, that's the color. Black. Say, I'd sure like to get me one of them. I'll trade you for them, said Al. Golly, you mean it? Said John, though Al could hardly hear him over the wet smacking of Hillary Clinton licking her chops. I'll give you any old thing. Name your price. And Al replied, your phone. John Denver handed Al a Motorola cell phone from 1997. It weighed 10 pounds. Yankovich swaddled it in his arms, stepped out of his Weird Al plane, walked past Hillary Clinton, who was foaming at the mouth, and looked out at New York City. The view from Abramovich's apartment was such that he could see New Jersey from a roof. He stood there on the edge of the world, John Denver's phone pressed to his ears, and Weird Al Yankovich made a long overdue call home to his mother. <laughs>